I confess, last week I kissed three new people in three days, each of them a different gender. <laughs> this podcast is intended for those 18 and over. If that's not you, please check out scarletine.com and come back to this podcast when you are of age. Thank you for downloading the Bedpost Confessions podcast. Bedpost Confessions is an Austin, Texas-based monthly reading and performance series about sex, sensuality, and the steamy side of life. Between performers, we ask audience members to anonymously submit anything worthy of a confession, which is then read aloud by one of our producers. The performance you're about to hear by Michael Flowers was recorded on February 10th, 2011. And just a note about the audio, it's not as great as we would have liked, but the story is uh, so phenomenal. We wanted to post this as a podcast, and we promise the audio will be better next month. So here is Michael reading his story, Hands and Silk. Last night at half past quitting time, You shook me from hypnotic boredom when you blew into the office like a slow but certain coastal storm. I stiffened in my seat, listening to your heels tap around the room and tried to refocus my thoughts on my work. You didn't make it easy. You never do. When I heard your throat clear its passage, I thought of the long, beautiful neck that wraps around it, the thin wisps of hair which frame the neck, creeping out from the rest of your tired, sloppy evening bun like fugitives sneaking past an exhausted guard post. I envisioned your fresh morning entrance, chestnut waves trapped in the professional severity of your morning bun, wound tightly with your half-empty, lukewarm third cup of coffee, lipstick stains on the rim matching those on the cigarette butts on the ashtray outside by the exit, in the parking lot on the way to your car, on the edge of your parking space, underneath your driver's side window, resting inside your ashtray, waiting to be picked up, and placed between your lips. It always takes me time to recover from these involuntary musings. But my concentration had finally rebuilt its walls, and I had almost recaptured my steam when all of a sudden, like a stab in the back with an ice pick or a drunken grope at a frat party, your metal chair swiveled on its creaky stem. The screws and bearings shrieked like a hall full of sobbing teenage girls at an Elvis concert. My brain shattered to dust like a television screen yields to a shotgun blast. Too petrified and full of cowardice and admiration to face you, I prayed silently to hear the office door open and close to your exit. And as your heels tapped three more times on the linoleum floor, echoing through my skull, I assured myself that you were on your way to the vending machines in the hallway. But this sterile scenario disintegrated into the steaming image of your serious curvature, held mercifully at bay within the soft confines of your midnight blue stockings, sharply cut business skirt, and matching jacket. In my imagination, your left hand casually unbuttoned the silk blouse underneath your jacket as your right hand deposited change into the slot and selected a chilled, refreshing beverage. Your skirt rose gingerly above your knees and tightened around your hips as you bent down to collect the sweating can from its cradle. And when my fantasy image of you popped the top, lifted the can to your perspiring forehead, and leaned back against the illuminated display of the drink machine, the real you spun my chair around to face actual beads of perspiration on your glorious cleavage. There you hung over my face, one hand on each arm of my chair, blouse open just enough to reveal the swell of your breasts as they fought for seniority inside your bra. 
Your perfume wove its delicious fragrance up my nostrils, into my head, which grew heavy and he fell forward toward your soft, scented skin. But you stepped back, straightened, and waited for my eyes to climb up to yours, and suggested a drink. After all, it was Friday, and the month had been a particularly grueling one for us all, you said, and you appreciated me working late as I usually did, and if anyone else was here an hour past closing time slaving away right now, you'd buy them a drink too, but since it's just me, we can go get fully loaded on the expense account, hell why not? The speech came out of nowhere, gusted and flurried through my head like a blizzard, and disappeared into your strange, hungry, chilling stare, which betrayed nothing. Fifteen minutes later, we sat in a darkened corner of an empty bar at a booth you selected assertively for its solitude. You were staring at me over your second double vodka martini, recovering from a short emotional tirade, presumably brought on by your first double vodka martini. <laughs> your frenzied rhetoric had met with dim silence from my end. And when you stopped talking, you glared back at me, impatient for some response to be sure, some comfort. All I had heard was boyfriend, asshole, dumping. You rolled your eyes at my irritating silence, dug a cigarette out of your purse and put it between your flushed lips. You pulled out a lighter and lit the flame. As I watched you take a long, languid drag, I wanted to be that cigarette. I wished to be disposable for you, some inanimate consumable destined to be crushed between your lips, set fire to, sucked down the length of your lovely throat and devoured by your lungs. I wanted you to snub me out and toss me away like trash in 10 minutes flat. Even if it meant being one forgotten puff of smoke in a formation of hundreds, thousands, marching towards your mouth. If I could choose, that would be enough for me. And then, through the smoke screen you created, you watched me watching you. Your hand returned to your purse with the lighter and resurfaced with a fine white silk handkerchief. Like a magician, you casually waved the handkerchief before me, balled it up in one hand, and used it to tenderly blot sweat from your cleavage. When I realized I was once again staring directly at the inviting slopes of your lovely tits, I glanced upward. It frightened me to see you, calmly smiling, watching me watch you. Your hand brought the shiny white material below the table and out of view. You inhaled more smoke and blew a steady stream toward my vacant face. The breeze from your lips felt cool, almost icy against my skin. The smoke didn't make me cough, didn't even tickle my nose. On the contrary, my body seemed to welcome the disdainful gesture. I looked through the soft, murky breeze at the O your lips had formed, and from that delicate, maddening shape came a smirking, mocking oops. I dropped my handkerchief on the floor under the table, you said. Pick it up for me. Without hesitation, I ducked down to get under the table. Not so fast, you said. I froze and sat upright, tongue practically wagging with excitement, drying my palms on the thighs of my slacks. It's new, you said. I just bought it yesterday and it was not cheap. Your eyes pinned me to the spot as you dragged steadily on your cigarette and it exhaled. You might have ink on your hands, you pointed out, or dust from filing at work. I washed my hands, I said, before we left when I went to the bathroom. I'm sure you did, you protested. But ink stains, hands and silk, and if any is still on your hands, it will ruin my perfectly white fabric. I can wash my hands again, I started. That's stupid, you said. I've got a better idea. A thin smile spread your cheeks mischievously. Can you cover your lips with your teeth? You demonstrated, leaning over the table at me so I could see you and so you could judge my acquiescence. 
When I complied, you cooed at me like to a child, but the excitement in your voice made my stomach quiver. Very good, your smile grew. Now, your voice softened, but your tone became more firm. Without touching it with your hands, pick the handkerchief up with your mouth, just like I showed you, with your lips over your teeth so you don't drool all over it. Then place it in my hand under the table. I moved to do as I was told. Wait, you stopped me again. I wanted to make sure you don't screw this up. What are you going to do? Pick your silk handkerchief up from below the table using only my lips, I replied, not my hands or teeth. You grinned at me. Very impressive. And where will you put the handkerchief? I will put your silk handkerchief in your hand under the table, I clarified. Yes, you said, and sighed slightly. And it might be best if, in order to avoid having to repeat this whole ordeal, once you put the handkerchief squarely in my hand, you keep hold of it in your mouth until I get it close to my purse, since you'll just have to retrieve it again if I drop it a second time. Don't you agree? I nodded and lowered myself slowly below the table, expecting revised instructions at any minute. Just getting fully under the table and on all fours was awkward enough. Finding the handkerchief in the dark seemed impossible at first, but once my eyes adjusted, it glowed on the floor like a creature that lived so far below the surface of the ocean that if it ever saw sunlight, it might die from shock. I got it in my mouth, and immediately I smelled the sweat from between your tits on the soft silk below my nose. Carefully, I raised my head in the darkness. I heard your body shift on your side of the booth. It sounded impatient. My elbows shook from anticipation and thin streams ran from my armpits down my ribcage. Slowly, I crept forward like a cautious kitten. My chin found your hand and rested in it. You stroked the stubble on my neck, found the top of my head and ran fingers through my hair, twirling it under the table. I held the silk in my mouth and tried not to drool as you caressed my head and face, running your fingers down over my eyes, closing them. You gently tugged my face, scooting me forward under the table, mouth voluntarily gagged with the scent of your skin. I felt you hold my shirt by the collar and grab the handkerchief with the other hand. You gave it two soft tugs to see if I was following instructions. I held the silk firmly between my lips, my mouth filling up with saliva, which I obediently swallowed before it marred your prized possession. Your voice drifted down from, below the t from above the table. Listen carefully, it said. Keep your eyes closed. Don't move. Drop the handkerchief in my hand. I did as I was told. Good. I could smell the smoke on your fingers as you caressed my face. And something else, slightly sour but complex, with a hint of sweetness at the end. Stick out your tongue as far as you can, you said. Make it stiff. I did as I was told. Something wet and sticky hit my nose, and the complex scent became a delightfully tangy taste on the tip of my tongue. As you rubbed my face between your legs, I wanted to moan and whimper, but I knew if I made a noise, any noise at all, I would be thrown out of paradise for good. You held me by my hair and slammed my face steadily into your crotch, rubbing my tongue to part your dewy thatch of hair. My heartbeat pounded in my head, threatening to drown out the sounds of life. There ceased to exist a bar where we bought drinks, an office where we worked, any free will or want of such in my future. Only this moment coursed through my veins, this love for your approval, your tender abuse, my insignificance and submission, 
my shaking addiction to this substance you spread on my lips, tongue, and face. You overdosed me on it, over my inner voice, a primal, soul-driven shout that wanted you to know I worship your pussy, your slapping wet cunt, the sticky slime in which you drown my inhibitions and my desire for autonomy. I need only you and the promise of a frequent gift of your precious fluids to keep me healthy and content. Content? Fuck that. Ecstatic. The fountain of my youth springs eternal from your winking, dripping, pulsating snatch. <laughs> Over this primal celebration of reaching the pinnacle of my existence and mourning the death of all other longings, I could hear you breathing hoarsely, moaning and yipping. You squeezed my hair between your fingers, ground my nose into your clit, jammed my tongue up into your juicy center and jerked your hips five times, squirting evidence of your satisfaction all over my face and in my mouth. I remained on my hands and knees, happy to be useful, aching <laughs> to be called a good little boy or something equally emasculating. But your hands just loosened their grip on my skull as you slowly slumped back into the booth, panting. You reached in your purse, pulled out another cigarette and your lighter. In the glow of the flame, I looked up pathetically, my face dripping pussy puddles onto the carpet, awaiting my next instructions. Serenity passed over you, but you would not look at me. I waited. I knew not to move. Halfway through your smoke, once your breathing had returned to normal, you finally looked at me, reached your hand in your purse, pulled out the silk handkerchief, and threw it at me. It bounced off my stunned face onto the ground. Wipe off, you said. Get back in your seat and finish your drink. Thank you. Michael Flowers writes porn because he wants to give something back. He believes that exercising your imagination leads to happiness, both in your sexual life and other aspects of lesser importance. You can find a link to his work on our website, bedpostconfessions.com. Bedpost Confessions is produced by myself, Mia Martina of the I Want Your Sex podcast, Sadie Smythe of the popular blog, sadiesopenmarriage.com, Julie Gillis of juliegillis.com, and Rosie Q. You can find links to all of our websites and more information about Bedpost Confessions at bedpostconfessions.com. You can also confess with us at Bedpost Confessions on Facebook and Bedpost Confess on Twitter. Until next time, we'll leave you with a few other confessions from the audience. I confess, I used to hump stuffed animals when I was a kid. Yes. Thank you, Pooh Bear. I confess, I had to be rushed to the hospital with a ruptured disc in my neck when I was 15. I told my mom I did it skateboarding, but I was actually trying to give myself a blowjob. <laughs> I confess that I make boys scream when I rim them. Who wants to kill the silence on that? I do. <laughs> I confess. When I was a kid, 
I rubbed raw bacon on my wiener <laughs> and made the dog look it up. <laughs>